This episode of Hello PhD is sponsored by Promega and listeners like you. Thanks for your support. My tip is to wear comfortable shoes and talk to as many people as you can. I'm impressed to hear you make a football reference on the podcast, Dan. Welcome to Hello PhD, a podcast for scientists and the people who love them. This week, we learn about how to make the most of a conference directly from the people at the conference. Stay with us. And we're back. This is Hello PhD, episode 186. I'm Joshua Hall. I'm Daniel Arneman. And we'll discuss the human side of science and life in the lab. Hey there, Dan. Happy 2023 to you. 2023. It feels like a really long time since I've seen you because we were together in the beginning of December and then apart for all of December. So it's good to see you. I hope you had a good holiday. It was very good, Dan. Uh, relaxing. Uh, spent some time with family. You know, did the normal holiday vacation stuff. I imagine you did the same. Any crazy snow stories? No snow this time. Very little snow. Other people love weather talk, but it was... Uh, like 10 degrees, and then it was like 60 degrees a week later. So I guess a little something for everybody. Yeah, all my vegetables froze. It was a massacre. You have vegetables growing now in January? You can grow all sorts of things. Uh, I had a lot of cauliflower that totally froze and then turned into mush. It was really gross. I thought that's where frozen vegetables came from, Dan. Absolutely not, Josh. (laughs) When we were together, Josh, we were at ASCB, the American Society for Cell Biology. uh, That took place in in your new hometown, Washington, D.C. Definitely thank you to uh, Promega for letting us hang out at their booth. We had a great time. Uh, Met a lot of you, a lot of listeners, um, hopefully some new listeners that we told about the show. And I I don't know. I think we had a good time, Josh, out and about in the city. We had a great time, Dan. Um, you know, I wanted to say thanks to everyone who took the time to talk to us. Um, in a lot of ways, this episode and the next are because of you. We're going to share uh, the voices of the people that we talked to at the conference. Uh, but beyond the conference, Dan, you're right. We we had a lot of fun. We ate some good food, did some escape rooms. Uh, that seems to be our thing now, Dan. We get together as we, uh, we hit up an escape room. I think we've gotten pretty good. We've gotten pretty good, although the one of the ones we did kicked our butt for sure in D.C. We can we can make recommendations if people like escape rooms. Uh, email us podcast at hellphd dot com. We'll tell you where to go. Dan, I was impressed too. Uh, we went into the conference, and you had been out of academia for a while, and you were convinced that you would not see anyone you knew. And within, not joking, one minute of walking in the convention center, you saw people you knew from grad school. Yeah, absolutely. We got our badges. We turned toward the escalator to go to the event space, and getting on the escalator was a, a woman who was a postdoc in the lab I was in while I was a grad, school, grad student. Now she's a, a research assistant professor at another university, but I saw her, and she said, oh, I just talked to this other person who worked in the lab next door, and he was there too. So I walked around the corner, and there he was. It was incredible. I don't know how long it's been, but these people... Uh, I, you know, I recognize them immediately. We had a great time catching up. It was so much fun to see everybody. See, Dan, that goes to show there were some good parts of grad school for you. There were great people. I have to say that. All right, Dan. Well, we're going to talk a lot more about our time at the ASCB conference. We're going to learn from the people we talked to about how to have a successful conference. But first, Dan, I have a special ethanol section for you. 
Hit me with it. Dan, it is uh, about 10.45 a.m. here uh, where I sit, so I think we will forgo drinking ethanol on this episode. It's it's a little early even for us, Josh. (laughs) But would you humor me in a fun ethanol story from something that happened this week? Yeah, let me hear it. Dan, you are a bourbon drinker, right? Yeah, I occasionally enjoy bourbon, usually mixed with something. But I know you drink, you'll drink it uh, straight up, won't you? Yeah, I have, I have begun to appreciate bourbon uh, over the last. You buy few nicer years. bourbon than I do. That's the difference. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe You're more willing it. to spend money on it than I am. Well, well, that's sort of where this story story comes from a little bit. Uh, Dan, are you familiar with one of the most sought after, hard to find bourbon labels uh, that exists right now? The uh, the Pappy Van Winkle. I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever had it. Yeah, so bourbon is has become very popular uh, these days, and you know many bourbons tend to be aged for five, ten, fifteen years. So it takes manufacturers a little bit of time. Uh, they're not very able to be very responsive to spikes in demand. So um, what has happened is there's this shortage of bourbons in many places. Um, so certain bourbons become very, very difficult to find. Uh, one of the most difficult to find is what's referred to as the Pappy Van Winkle brand of bourbon. Really sounds delicious. <laughs> Good old Pappy. It's, yeah, it sounds like, uh, does it Does it have the aroma of my grandfather's house or something? <laughs> Sitting on Pappy's knee, uh, having a exactly. sip of bourbon. Well, anyway, Dan, uh, a friend of mine at, at work is uh, a resident of the state of Virginia, and many of these states that have regulated um, liquor distribution um, have done something that I think is actually pretty cool. So, Dan, I remember in, in our state of North Carolina, it was very difficult to find some of these harder-to-find bourbons because what tended to happen would be you know, certain um, distribution stores, uh, the state-run distribution stores would would get some of the bourbon, somebody would text their friend, and then somebody else would come in and buy every bottle, and then nobody else could get any. So what certain states have done, like Virginia, is they've gone to a lottery system. So if there's a really hard-to-find bourbon, they'll send an email out, anybody can be on their email list, serve, and you can just enter the lottery, and they'll do a drawing for however many bottles they have for the state, and if your name is drawn, they'll send it to the ABC store closest to you, and you go pick it up, and you pay MSRP for the bottle. That sounds very fair. Yeah, totally fair. So anyway, a friend of mine that I work with was lucky enough to win the bourbon lottery in the state of Virginia and got a bottle of the Pappy Old Van Winkle 12-year bourbon. Are there multiple year series? Yep, there's the 10, the 12, the 15, 20, and 23-year versions. Oh, wow. So he had the the 12, and he was kind enough to uh, share. And he's going to sit on it another 11 years and then sell it. It's interesting, Dan. Uh, so these these bottles retail for about $100 MSRP if you're in a state that regulates them. But if you're in a state that allows private sale of liquor, uh, this particular bottle can go upwards of $1,000, $1,500. Oh, my gosh. Which is crazy. Let's just say that out loud. So anyway, we had a I had a little bourbon tasting, Dan, where I had some Pappy Old Van Winkle 12-year bourbon for the first time in my bourbon tasting career. And did it blow your mind? Was it everything it was cracked up to be? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. You know, we had it next to a couple other bourbons that I enjoy that are increasingly hard to find as well. We had an Eagle Rare, which is a 10-year bourbon, a Blanton Single Barrel, which is mysterious, but is a six to eight-year bourbon. Uh, These are all made by the same distiller, Buffalo Trace. Uh, So we did a little side-by-side comparison. And, uh, 
you know, for better or worse, the old Van Winkle was pretty good. Is it worth $1,500? Definitely not. But No, it is not. Uh, but you know it was fun fun to give it a try uh, and i'm appreciative to my my buddy andrew for for bringing it in all right well if i see it i will be sure to buy it i'm sure i won't see it though so it doesn't matter and if you listeners find a bottle of pappy van winkle and you want to send it and have us taste it on the show that's right. happy to i'm sure that would break several state laws but we'll overlook that josh before we get to our main topic i do want to thank promega um, you know, it's important to prioritize your health and well-being during graduate school. I think we talk about that all the time in, in this show because it is so important. Um, but you can have habits that promote healthy mind and body, like exercising. You can eat right. They're crucial to your success both in and out of the lab. If you want to find more resources about how to find the right lab life balance, go to promega.com slash hello balance. All right, Dan, let's get on with our topic of the week. All right, Dan. Well, as we alluded to, this is a special episode. We're going to share short interviews that we did with people we met at ASCB. And specifically, we asked a bunch of folks who were at the conference their tips for a new person attending a conference for the first time and how you might make the most out of that time at the conference. Yeah, we were those annoying guys with the portable recorder and a big fat microphone. Uh, I think you kind of stuck near the booth most of the time and anybody that came up to talk you <laughs> you would have a nice conversation with them and be like hey could i record you and <laughs> usually they said yes i wandered around and if i saw somebody standing at a poster not giving a talk or whatever i would go and ask them questions so uh, there's kind of a mix of uh, people who came to us and people that we went to find but i think you know we got good advice from people at all levels of their academic journey so i think we talked to some high school students didn't we all the way up through full professors. We did. We talked to people at all different levels, which was actually cool to see and I think underscores one of the real benefits of being at a conference. It brings together people at all stages of the academic training pathway to be together, um, to share in a common interest and, and network with one another. So I think there's some really great tips here, whether it's whether you're getting ready to attend your first conference or whether you're a seasoned conference goer. I think there might be something here for you too. Okay, well, here are some voices from the American Society for Cell Biology Conference 2022, and uh, we'll catch back up after we hear what they had to say. My name is David Gow. I'm a postdoc associate at the University of Pittsburgh, just recently transitioned to a lecturer faculty line, giving a talk here on my work in renal cell carcinoma, and uh, just kind of checking out what ASCB has. It's always one of the largest conferences in cell biology, so seeing if there are any opportunities for me, and also a lot of free stuff, obviously. All about the free stuff. How many times have you been to this conference? ASCB is the, one of the ones that you know, I kind of go to almost every year. So this is probably like my eighth or ninth time here. Okay, so you've been here many times. So what tips would you have for grad students attending their first big science conference for the first time? Definitely don't be afraid just to go to, up to every exhibitor. I think you know they're the, usually the friendliest people because they usually are trying to give you something. So it's always good to talk to them. Uh, don't be afraid to share your research. They're, again, they're friendly. So you, can, you know, if you're worried about trying to talk about your science, they're very friendly people to talk to, I found, to the most part. And uh, don't be afraid if someone asks you a question you don't know the answer. You don't know the answer. That's totally fine. <laughs> Thank you, David. Yep, thank you. Stephanie Gupton, I'm a professor of cell biology at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Fantastic. What tips do you have for student or trainee attending their first conference? 
So it can be overwhelming with all the people at ASCB and taking advantage of the one-on-one -on -one interactions in poster sessions is a really great way to build your network. So talking to even the people whose posters are beside you in the same session can lead to lifelong colleagues. So I'm Angela, I'm from Belgium. I'm in my second year of my PhD. And this is my first conference actually in the outside of Europe as well. So it's the first time that I'm here in America. And did you travel from Belgium to get here? Yes, it was a nine hour flight. Oh my gosh. Now this is a big conference. What are, your, what are some of your goals? What are you trying to accomplish by being here? I'm really introverted. So I'm trying to speak to as many people that I can, visit the booths, be more social. So really put myself out, outside my comfort zone. And you've got a poster, yeah. which I'm standing in front of. It looks great. Tell me about putting that together. Was that a big challenge, getting it here? The, the getting it here was fine because my promoter is also here. So he put it in his tube and did everything for me. But putting everything together was really hard because it's also my first poster that I make. So it's all the first for me. And if people come to ask you questions about it, how are you approaching having those conversations? I think I'm doing fine. I expected it to be worse. So I'm really glad. I, I'm really enjoying my experience here. Hopefully people are being nice. Yeah, I haven't had a, a negative comment yet. <laughs> well, any advice for people that are going to attend their first conference? Don't be shy. Just engage everybody. Everybody is friendly. It will be fine. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, my name is Tracy Smalley. I'm a postdoc at Moffitt Cancer Center. Okay, and so you say you have some advice for attending. Have you been to many conferences this size? Yes, I have. I've been to the AACR, and this is my first time at the ASCB. Okay, so this is, feels overwhelming. Everybody I've talked to said this is overwhelming. What advice do you have for people? Continue to go to conferences. Give talks, do poster talks, and don't let the overwhelmingness stop you from going. Do you have specific goals in mind? Are there things that you're trying to get out of this by being here? Absolutely. So the reason I chose the ASCB is because it has a large DEI initiative. And so coming to this conference, I wanted to look at the science as well as look at the DEI part and just network and meet people on both sides of that. Hello, my name is Jiali. I'm a first year PhD student at UNC Chapel Hill. And this is my first time attending AACB and I have been enjoying my time here. And for the next year's attendees, I think my advice will be looking through the programs, like during the morning, look through the schedule, figure out the ones you want to go, and also never be afraid to talk to other people, just say hello and get a conversation going. You will always get some good advice from other people. Yeah. Good advice. How about you? So my name is Lucas, and I'm a sophomore at Forsyth Tech Community College. And I would say don't say no to a talk if somebody asks you to go to one. Even if it's not something that interests you, it's always nice to take kind of a brain break from your field of interest and learn about something else. And you never know how it might correlate to your field of interest. So don't say no. So hi, I'm Hannah Bailey, and I'm a fifth-year graduate student at the University of California, Los Angeles. And my research is focused on actin in development, specifically looking at fruit flies. And uh, my advice for new time attendees at conferences is don't be afraid to talk to strangers. You know, if you see something that looks cool, everybody's so excited to talk to you about what they're doing and you can make some really cool connections out of it. My name is Mireya Becerra Diaz. I'm a PhD. I've been in academia a long time. Now I'm in the industry. So for new guys joining the first time as VCB, I'll say enjoy the conference. Try to make networking. So if there are like social events, go to them, meet the people, like really talk to the people. 
of course, go to the academic part, but also try to do networking. I think that's what you can get the best for collaborations and for learning. Hi, my name is Maria Fidian. I'm a junior at Siena College. And my advice to anyone who's attending a conference for the first time is to set a goal at the conference, whether that be to meet someone in a specific field of research or to learn about something that relates to your own research. Set a goal for the conference so that you can really go for it and walk away with something rather than coming with no goal and walking out with nothing other than a free trip and a cool experience. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sana Shazad. I'm an undergrad at Siena College. And I guess like one major advice I think that I learned from this intro session is first go to the intro session. And then also you can like search up like people from different institutions that you're interested in on the app. And like that can help you like try to see if you can find like their schedule and kind of meet up with them and like see like if you're open to like grad school or like other job opportunities, you can like meet up with this person and talk to them. My name is Tashal Razi. I'm a junior at Siena College. And my advice to someone who's going to a conference for the first time would definitely be to go to as many sessions as you can, as many posters as you can. If you're with the group, try to split off for them for a little bit and try to like talk to new people and put yourself out there a lot. My name is Ross Peterson. I'm a postdoc at the Carnegie Institution Department of Embryology. And my tip for how to make the most out of your first conference is that something you should think about is that during a PhD, you'll want a lot of different kinds of mentorship, and you won't get all those kinds of mentorship from your, your advisor, no matter how good of an advisor they are. So you'll want to make connections with other people who can provide other kinds of mentorship to you, and scientific conferences are great places to do that networking and, and make those connections such that you can get the feedback or mentorship that you need when you need it later. Hi, my name is Crystal Rogers. I'm an assistant professor at UC Davis, and my tip is to wear comfortable shoes and talk to as many people as you can. Perfect. Hi, I'm Tess Leathers. I'm a grad student at UC Davis, and my tip is to bring a notebook and take notes while you're watching seminars. My name is Jalen Taylor. I'm a third-year PhD student in biochemistry at The Ohio State University, and my tip for a person attending an academic conference for the first time is to bring a pen and paper and be willing to interact with others and, you know be, get comfortable with talking to strangers and finding out about their science and following up and learning about them so people will be encouraged to learn about your work too I think that's the most fruitful part. Hi I'm Melissa Martin I'm a life science writer for Brukery and if I were to give one tip for somebody attending their first conference after attending my first conference for a couple hours, I would say just be open to meeting people and nobody's going to judge you if you walk up there and don't necessarily know what you're talking about. So just go out and say hi and try it anyways. See what you can learn. It's a great opportunity to learn. Dan, that was so cool to listen to. It took me, it took me right back to the convention hall again. You get a little bit of the background noise, the hum of people discussing science. It's really fun. I tell you, I love the energy of a conference. Just those people all together in the same place, meeting one another, talking to one another. And, and I think one thing that really is great, and this came up in a couple of the, the tips that folks gave us, is I think it's important to realize that everybody's there for a similar reason. I mean, one reason you come to a conference is to network and connect with other people in your field or who share that similar interest. So we had, I think, a common thing that students feel, especially or if it's your first time going to a conference, 
is you're a little bit shy, you're a little bit intimidated, and it can be easy to think like, you know, I would really like to go up and talk to that person who gave a talk. That was really interesting. Or I'd really like to go up to that exhibitor booth and ask them a question. But, you know, I'm probably bothering them. They probably don't want to talk to me. Um, but they do. They, in fact, that is why they're there at the conference. But I can totally appreciate that. I, I used to feel that way. And Dan, I still struggle with that a little bit, even when I don't have a microphone <laughs> going up to people feeling like you're going to bother them. Yeah, it had to be our most common piece of advice from everybody we talked to. Everybody said, do not be afraid to talk to people or, or make a point to talk to people. And I think we have this in our normal lives. You know, you get on the subway, you don't talk to people, right? If you, were, if you started chatting with the person next to you on the airplane or in the grocery line, that would sort of violate this cultural understanding about how we're interacting in this space. But at the conference... All those rules are gone. And so you don't need to think, oh, I shouldn't do this. It, it, people are there to make those connections. And I was really impressed, even t with this microphone in my hand, how willing people were to talk to me. I know there's, there's a bit of an intimidation by I'm going to be recorded, but everybody was just so enthusiastic, like you said. The energy was high, and they wanted to share. And so everybody was really, uh, they were good sports about it. I really enjoyed it. I think that's a really good point, Dan. The fact that I don't think we had anyone not want to talk to us, even, and we were the most intimidating. I had a few, Josh. I had a few. <laughs> I had a few because I'm probably a weirdo, but. But I bet, I bet they were okay talking to you, just you not recording what they had to say, right? That is probably true, yes. Uh, so, you know, just maybe this goes to show, even if people were willing to talk to us, the most intimidating situation, holding a microphone, they're probably willing to talk to you. Um, you know, it's worth saying, Dan, I think, People are different. We have introverts. We have extroverts. Um, I tend to be fairly introverted. Um, I think, Dan, in some ways, you are, you are more extroverted than I am in a group of people you don't know. But, you know, I was reminded of this. You mentioned our typical posture out in public of not wanting to talk to people. Uh, I was having a conversation with my wife this week about this gym that we go to. And, you know, it's one of these gyms where you take a class and people come in and you go at a set time. And there's 30 or so people in there. And she was expressing to me that one thing she really didn't like about the gym we go to is you show up and nobody really talks to one another. Right. And so I, so I mentioned her, I was like, really? That's one of the main reasons I love this gym is I go in and nobody tries to talk to me. <laughs> can just she is a true out. extrovert though. That's right. She is. She is. But I guess it underscores, uh, you know, we, we are different. But I guess if you believe uh, statistics and some of these surveys, many scientists uh, tend to gravitate towards the introverted side. So maybe whereas you're feeling self-conscious about going up and talking to someone, could very well be possible that person's hoping someone comes up to talk to them. So you might make their day. Yeah, absolutely. And what a great chance to practice the skills of listening to a person, letting them talk about the thing they're passionate about. Uh, all of these researchers have done something that they care about or they wouldn't be there and they want to share it with you. I think it's a skill to have where you can get somebody talking about something they're passionate about and you can find threads to keep pulling on. You know, you might hear something in their conversation that triggers something in your mind. And so you can ask them a question about that. I was at a kid's birthday party this weekend, Josh, and the father of one of the kids is a, a cardiac uh, surgeon. And so I was asking him, I don't know anything about sports, as you know, <laughs> but I asked him about Damar Hamlin. Uh, the football player who had his heart basically stopped by getting hit in the chest. And so we talked this long time about 
that case and about other cases that he knew about because it was like this way to connect over something that he's passionate about. It is his job. I know nothing about it, but I was learning. And so, uh, you know, I think it's just this opportunity to practice that on a grand scale. I'm impressed to hear you make a football reference on the podcast, Dan. Oh, I'm I'm just all about it, Josh. It was the only thing I could possibly think of about uh, sports that somebody else might know about. You know, Dan, we got some we got some other good tips too. A couple of practical ones that I really liked. One, wear comfortable shoes. Very good advice. It's good advice. There's a there is a lot of walking. I mean, the conference hall is huge. Getting there and back is a lot of walking. You can't, you know, it's not a place you just park and walk in. So yeah, definitely wear comfortable shoes. You're going to be on your feet all day long. And the other good one I thought was bring a notebook or some means to take notes. We had a couple people mention the importance of taking notes. And I think that's great advice. That is something that I have often overlooked in the past because it's very tempting to think in the moment, like, oh, that's really interesting. Or I'll remember that person's name or I'll remember that conversation I had. But truth is, you probably won't. So if something sparks in your brain, because I think that's another reason to attend a conference is not just to meet people, but hopefully to get inspiration about your research or a topic or an idea. And so I think it can be really useful. And some listeners, or sorry, some some folks we talked to mentioned this too, the importance of having the means, a notebook to jot those ideas down in the moment so you actually can benefit from them later on. Yeah, now I have been bad, Josh. I I found a sheet of paper somewhere in the booth and was writing down notes. You know, we met a lot of people that I would like to talk to for interviews uh, related to the podcast. And so I wrote down names and email addresses and topic ideas and things like that. And I have them sitting next to my desk. Then Christmas happened and I have not done anything with it. So uh, I've got my list here. I need to go do what you do after a conference, which is follow up with those people that you contacted. Hopefully you do it soon enough that they remember talking to you. (laughs) Otherwise, it's going to be a little more awkward. Like, hey, do you remember six months ago when I met you? Well, I'm actually glad to hear, Dan, that you did write these down on a piece of paper and they're sitting on your desk because were it just up to me, I can remember that we had some of those conversations and like, yeah, yeah, this person would be great to talk to. I didn't write it down. And would I know how to reach out to those people even if I wanted to right now? Definitely not. So, uh, so good work. See, this just goes to show those notes mean that opportunity still exists for us, Dan. <laughs> Unless I lose them. Things can happen. One thing that I wanted to to bring up, Josh, I by the end of the conference, you know, we were only there for a few hours over the course of two days. So we definitely did not do the full conference schedule. But I was pretty exhausted afterwards. It is, it's a lot of uh, physical energy, just kind of being on your feet, like we talked about it. But it's also a lot of emotional energy for a person who's an introvert to be constantly having these conversations. And so one piece of advice that I would give is to find ways for yourself to unwind Um, I definitely saw people who would kind of go to a quiet corner. Usually these conference spaces are gigantic and there will be a chair by the elevator or somewhere down the hall. If you can find a place kind of in the middle of, of the conference to go be by yourself, check your email, get a snack, sit quietly, whatever it is you need to do. Because if you try to run from eight in the morning until 10 or 11 at night when people kind of go out and you know, they have dinner, then they have drinks and, and people spend the entire day together. Um, that can be very tiring for a person who is an introvert or maybe doesn't, isn't used to that kind of schedule. So I would just say, try and find those spaces to carve out for yourself. 
Yeah, that's a great point, Dan. And that's something that I actually do uh, to this very day when I go to conferences, because I'm more effective in those times when I am out and about in the conference. If I've taken that time to recharge my batteries, be by myself for a little while. Um, so that that's great advice. You know, I will say as the flip side of that, if you are someone who um, is really introverted or really shy, um, as I tend to be, I do think it's important to to maybe push yourself a little bit in these conference spaces and, and recognizing, okay, this is a short period of time. I have a very specific focus to be here at this conference. I have a very short window of opportunity um, to be here. Um, but really, you know, really push yourself to say yes to certain things. And I think some of the people we talked to mentioned that too, the importance of saying yes to some of these opportunities that are unique to the conference. I know, Dan, there have definitely been times when maybe I would go unwind back at my hotel room or in a quiet corner and there had been a session that I kind of wanted to go to, but then you can kind of fall into this place where you're like, well, but it would really be kind of easier to just sit here (laughs) in my room. Yeah, that's true. Uh, And so you miss out on this opportunity. So I think the advice you gave actually was a good one. It's maybe just find a quiet corner in the conference center versus going all the way back to your hotel room. Because I know for me, Dan, sometimes when I get back to the hotel room, then I completely lose steam <laughs> at that point. That's true. That's to true. To pull myself back up into the fray. Maybe take some earbuds or some headphones or something so that you can kind of close yourself off from the space, listen to music that calms you down. Because um, it, it really can be a lot. And maybe you decide, look, I'm going to do these scientific sessions, but I'm not going to go to dinner or I'm not going to go out for drinks afterward. Like, I'm going to turn in early. And I think that's fine. I think those are kind of fun events. And if there's somebody specifically that you're trying to have a conversation with, do that at dinner. That's fine. But if you don't have that, if it's just your lab's going out and you're going to see your lab on Monday, you know, I would say it'd be okay to turn in a little bit early. Yeah, for sure. Um, That actually brings up another point that came up that I thought was really good. And that was take some time to separate yourself from the group you came with. So interesting. I thought that was such a fascinating piece of advice. Yeah. And obviously this doesn't apply if you're going to the conference solo, you're kind of on your own the whole time. But um, I can definitely appreciate this too, Dan. And over the last 10 years or so, I've done a lot of taking groups of students to conferences. And this is something that we have talked about. And I would be this way too, Dan. It can definitely feel safer (laughs) to be in a group of people that you know. However, sometimes that can prevent you from actually going out, uh, putting yourself out there to meet new people. Absolutely. Maybe you have a unique interest that's different from some of the other folks that that you went to the conference with. Maybe you're interested in a specific type of of career or a specific type of work uh, that's separate from the group. If you just go along with what the group wants to do, you may miss out on those those goals you had for yourself. Um, so maybe find a time to separate everybody, go their own way, do your own thing for just a little while, and then you can regroup later. I thought that was good advice. Yeah, I mean, we have we have different identities depending on the group we're in. So I might be kind of the the studious one in my lab, but I'm in a heavy metal band after work, right? Or whatever it is. I You, ha- you can have different personas in different uh, contexts. And I think if you really are trying to explore something new in your career or you're, you're trying to explore an avenue that maybe your PI uh, wouldn't be so into because they're, they have a rivalry with this other lab, whatever it is. I, I think splitting off really does make sense for the, some of those situations so that you can be 
whatever identity it is that you want to be in that situation. Uh, and then you can get back together with your group and uh, go try and raid the exhibitor booths for goodies. That's <laughs> that's always fun. Um, I really I like the piece of advice to be on the lookout for additional mentors. We have talked pretty extensively on the show about how your research advisor, your PI, is a mentor or could be a mentor, but should not be your only mentor. And uh, if you limit yourself to just your department or just your university for finding mentors, then, you know, that's a limited pool. Going to one of these conferences with people from all over the country, I think, is an amazing way to make connections with mentors, the, some of the best mentors uh, in your field in academia. And I absolutely take that opportunity to figure out who it is you want to talk to at this conference. That's a great point, Dan. And I could not uh, agree with agree with him more about that. In fact, it, it also harkened back an episode we did um, last, uh, a couple of years ago, episode 157, The Three Mentors You Need. So I might recommend if that was a little thread that sparked something in you, this need for multiple mentors, uh, maybe give, give that episode a listen. Yeah. And just to refresh people, you might have a mentor that it, your your research mentor might be the person who helps you advance in your particular scientific discipline. But you might want a career mentor, somebody that is interested in the type of job that you want to have. Or you might want to have a kind of a, a moral or spiritual mentor, sort of somebody that is leading the kind of life that you want to lead. And so there are lots of men- ways to be a mentor and to be mentored. And what we're encouraging is just pay attention and, and use this opportunity while you're at this huge conference where everybody is willing to talk to you to, to find some of these people that you may not have at your own university. Definitely. You know, Dan, all of this, I think, can be summed up, I think indirectly is touched on by, by many people. And that is be mindful of what your goals are for going to the conference ahead of time. And, and really think about why are you there? What are you hoping to accomplish? You know, maybe you are there because you want to find a career mentor or you want to learn about careers. Maybe you are looking for uh, new ideas about your research topic. You want to learn from others in your field. Uh, maybe you want to ask some questions of some people you've read their papers and you think are really cool. Maybe you're looking for a postdoc. We heard from somebody who is really interested in, in diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Great place to go to find conversations on that topic. Yeah, there were a lot of those conversations going on at this conference. Um, and all of those are great reasons to attend a conference. But I think to get the most out of it, it's important to just be mindful of what you hope to gain from the conference going in. Like, why are you going? What would be the best case scenario uh, for you at that conference? And then plan your schedule. Take a look at the agenda ahead of time uh, each morning and plan your day so that you make so that you set yourself up with the greatest chance of achieving those goals uh, during your time there. I love it, Josh. Well. If our listeners have uh, tips or advice for attending conferences, we would love to hear them. They can email us, podcast at hellophd.com. If you like the show, please share it with somebody. You know, we got the chance to talk to a lot of uh, students, grad students, postdocs, and this is the way that the, the show grows and that people find out about it is really through sharing. So we would appreciate it if you would uh, tell your department, tell your friend. And if you want to, you can become a patron. Just go to patreon.com slash hellophd or go to our website and click the become a patron button. We'd appreciate the pappy whatever money. <laughs> and we would have to thank our, our patrons for their ongoing support. And Josh, next week, we're going to have uh, advice from people presenting posters about how to make and present posters. And I have to say, um, this is when I, when I took my microphone around and <laughs> kind of stuck it in people's faces. But I learned a ton 
Um, some things have not changed at all in the last probably 50 years in poster presentation. And some things are really new. And, and there's some exciting technologies out there that you're going to want to hear about. Yeah, I tend to think I know a lot about presenting posters. And I learned a ton from these interviews. So looking forward to sharing those on our next episode. All right, Josh. Well, stay safe and we will see you in a little bit. All right, Dan. See you soon.